We're going to do something a little different today, and I hope you're up for it. I hope you didn't come just to sit on your hands, because, you know, I thought our series, The Comeback, had sort of come to an end last week, and I just felt like something wasn't quite finished, something more needed to happen uh, than just maybe come and listen to five sermons with titles that were, you know, too clever by half. This is, this is such a pivotal Time. We will look back on this season, I'm sure, as a, as a crossroads of sorts, either a time where the church was strengthened through suffering or a time where there was generational damage done to the church. So instead of just kind of moving on, I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted us to maybe seal some things Um, maybe even set us free from some things this morning. And today, I want to give us a chance perhaps to respond individually, respond corporately to the things that God might be stirring in us. So I want to warn you, there will be times where you'll be asked to engage. Uh, Nobody will be centered out or embarrassed, I promise, but we'll respond in song and in prayer and in reflection and in corporate responses. I hope to hear from you in this open mic. And so I would like us to start with a a spiritual exercise, a reflective exercise. It's a way to focus the noise and the voices that are competing in our heart. We all kind of come in here with worries and baggage and different voices in our head. And this is, this is an exercise um, from the people who have brought you the Hearing God seminar. And it's a little acronym. This is from Church Renewal, which is a, a coaching thing that I'm part of, tool that we use just to connect with God. And, you know, often an inhibitor to us connecting with God, to feeling peace with God Uh, to hearing from God is our own fear. It's our own anxiety that weighs heavy on our thoughts. And even though it's perfectly natural to fear and to be anxious, it it becomes a hindrance when it begins to, you know, direct or steer our life. And so it's important that we are living our faith by our, 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 yeah, uh, living our life by faith, not fear. Faith isn't the absence of fear, right? It is just the resolve to follow the leading of Jesus despite our fear, even when we don't maybe even understand what God is up to in any given moment. Uh, It's learning to stay connected to God's presence. It's with the peace that passes all understanding. We read this a few weeks ago, but just to remind you, Philippians 4, 6 to 9 says... Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any Excellence. If there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So Paul 
Paul's challenging us not to be afraid or anxious, but to instead turn to thanksgiving and prayer and then let our requests be made known to God and his peace will guard our hearts and minds. So Paul's giving very practical advice here. He's, he's saying, change your focus and you'll have an easier time accessing this God of supernatural peace. So remember that um, this peace that passes understanding, it doesn't come through the absence of conflict. It doesn't come through having great circumstances necessarily. That's the world's peace. The peace that comes from God that passes understanding, it's, it's, it can follow us even in the middle of the storm. It can be with us in the middle of a global pandemic. So the acronym that we use, easy to remember, is STAR. S, stop. T, take a breath. A, appreciate and connect to Jesus. R, respond. So will you trust me as I, as I sort of lead you through this exercise? And who knows, maybe this will be something that you incorporate in your discipleship toolbox um, Maybe the worth the price of admission alone if, if you end up using this. And uh, so I'm just going to ask you right now, if you would just close your eyes. You don't have to worry about feeling self-aware because everyone's going to have their eyes closed. If you're joining us at home, it's just as easy to participate that way. If you're listening to the podcast of this, the cool thing is that you can do this anytime. You can even re-listen to it as a meditation tool. If you're listening to this in your car, please don't close your eyes, though. <laughs> but for the rest of us, okay. So first, S, stop. What is a problem, um, a person, a situation that comes to mind that, that just gives you a, a bad feeling in your gut? There's a difficult conversation maybe that you need to have. It could be COVID-related or COVID-adjacent. Um, just bring it to mind. And don't spend time right now trying to fix the problem or the person. This isn't about fixing a problem, okay? Just stop and acknowledge that weight, that worry that comes to mind, okay? We need to learn that not everything has to be fixed right now. I assure you the solution can wait till the end of the service and probably even longer. You cannot control this person, this situation. You're just stopping to acknowledge it before God who holds the universe in his hands. You're not burying it. You're just bringing it to Jesus. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act, the Bible says. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Okay, we've acknowledged that anxiety. Now, T, just take a breath. You know, being still and quiet is not something we practice in the GTA. It's not something that we do a lot in church, unfortunately. In fact, many people feel shame when they aren't busy all the time. We think that 
being busy is like a sign of our value. And for some of you today, God is saying, you were not made to keep going without a Sabbath. You are more like a rechargeable battery and you haven't been recharged in a long time. Psalm 46, be still, know that I am God. So be still, stop, quiet yourself. Isaiah says, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, in quietness and in trust shall be your strength. Psalm 131, instead I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for his mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. And just be aware of your breath. Take a deep breath. Breathe deep the breath of God. Let out a slow exhale. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. Even that breath is a gift from God. As you do this, your body, which is fearfully and wonderfully made, is is even lowering, lowering cortisol levels, increasing serotonin levels, and our busy minds are beginning to slow down. And now... A, appreciate and connect with Jesus. We've stopped, we're calm, we're ready for the best way to enter God's presence, and that's through worship. Enter his courts with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise, give thanks to him, bless his name. James 17, 117, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father of lights. When we focus on Jesus and the things he has done for us and provided for us, we find our our hearts begin to change. So what are you thankful for today? Who are you thankful for today? What are you grateful for? Would you just tell God right now under your breath, Now, just saying we are thankful for a couple of things is very different than actually feeling appreciation or gratitude for something. But when we stop, calm down, begin fixing our eyes on Jesus and what he's done for us and what he's provided for us, we, we notice a shift, especially as you focus on why the things you are thankful for are are meaningful to you. Your thanksgiving is literally changing your heart. It's, It's reframing, reprioritizing that worry that you started this exercise with. It seems lighter in comparison to the mercy and kindness of God. And finally, our Respond. Is there something that you need to obey that has been sort of whispered to you in this moment? Something that you have received from the Lord? Something you have been challenged to trust the Lord in? 
It might be uh, that we need to forgive and let go. Uh, For others, it may mean you need to confront. We may need to choose to trust the Lord in this moment. Whatever the direction that you receive, whatever impression that you have gotten on your heart, um, I believe that, that Jesus is speaking and we are to respond in faith by obeying. We're going to continue to respond in gratitude through song. Maybe, in fact, these lyrics will uh, take on a fresh meaning for you today. On Thanksgiving Sunday of all days, and afterwards, I would love to, to hear from anyone who felt maybe that God did impress something on their heart. But we stand as we pour out our praise and our thanksgiving to God. Well, we're going to move into um, a time of uh, confession, but I think um, it's um, just after the the moment of pause and and just that great song, if there's anybody that would just like to share what God's been stirring in their heart or just um, praise or even during that exercise, this time of star and just a little reflection, um, it would be a good time to approach the open mic if there's anybody that has something that they would like to share. Sure, we'll give Paul a chance. He's making his way over to the uh, open microphone. It's, um, it's good this morning to be here and to just be reminded that God is enough. And just, I hope that the, the words of the songs and just the experience this morning is really just going to fill up your tank and fill your soul. I know, I know it's already been speaking to me and ministering to me. Something like that? That'll work. Good. Thank you. Yeah, I'm going to just spare my soul a little bit for you today. I am uh, extremely grateful for God's provision over the past 18 months, ever since um, we had the car accident, and um, then I was terminated from my, from my job. It is miraculous to me that I haven't worked in that amount of time and we have been provided for financially and in many other ways, amazingly. And um, I couldn't go into all the details today. There's not enough time. And uh, how at peace we are about that provision. And Joy and I have learned to really trust God. The all other thing I'm extremely grateful for is um, the help that I've received uh, with um, post-traumatic stress. I didn't know what that was. I never liked talking to anyone. So I've had more than 60 or 70 sessions with an occupational therapist. Um, And I'm going to admit something that we never used to admit in families is I have a psychiatrist that I'm also seeing down at Sunnybrook. 
Um, uh, we've got great help in this church as well. After our, our son committed suicide, it was extremely difficult for us. So we've had a lot of trauma in our life. And the post-traumatic stress from the accident has opened up a whole can of about 50 other traumatic incidents, including being electrocuted many, many years ago with 347 volts. I thought I was going to die that day. But I would encourage you, if you are having difficulty, uh, to reach out. Do not keep it to yourself. Um, at some point, Jonathan's asked me to speak, and I think we're going to be talking about the book of Job and its relevance to me personally and its relevance to you and us as a church today. At some point, we'll bring that across, and um, there's a lot in there about what we need to realize, and uh, I actually empathize with this guy quite a bit. Not a lot of people read the book of Job, but there's a lot in there. And we have a great Savior. I love what you said today, Glenn, about when we asked for our provider, he doesn't give us necessarily the thing. He gives us himself. Mm -hmm. We like instant coffee. Well, God doesn't do instant prayer. I don't know if you know that or not. He doesn't do instant prayer. He, uh, he answers all prayers. It takes time. And uh, he will answer your prayer in the right time. He definitely is answering mine in the right time. God bless you all. Thank you, Paul. Anybody else? We'll give a chance for one more person if there's something else that you want to share. Diane's going to make her way across to the microphone. Um, I didn't want to get up and speak, but I know God's been asking me to do it for a few weeks now. So bear with me. Um, I think the main thing that comes to my mind through this whole process since I've started in June is that my family at NAC, I had um, no idea. I, I keep a lot of stuff to myself, to my family, um, but I realized I had another family, and it's you. And so for each and every one of you that's been praying for me, I can't thank you enough because I know um, through these prayers my life is changing and I'm changing through this journey since June. I wanted to share that a lot of times um, I felt alone. Uh, my family, uh, my children, and my family here were certainly here and calling me and checking in on me. But I think um, I live on my own, so there was a big piece of a void for me. And I think the enemy took hold of that piece and started to ingrain in me um, some really dark times and really difficult times. And I realized at the end I needed to come to the church and ask for the elders and Jonathan to pray for me because it was beyond my... Um, I couldn't heal properly, and I knew there was something more. So thank you so much. And for those times that you feel so alone, I want to share. I had so many tests done, and praise God, since June, all those tests have come back fine. Um, but during that time, um, I'll remember Earl Rothery was one person that um, said to me, Diane, I woke up on this day, 
at 1 o'clock in the morning, and God told me to start praying for you. And that was the night that I was in Emerge. And I just thought, wow, that's amazing that God wakes up someone and prays for me. Um, you know, Mike Derrick, I was in having an MRI done, and um, anyhow, Mike said, I'll, I'll be praying for you, and I'll be there. And sure enough, um, when it was all said and done, I came out of the hospital looking for Mike, but I didn't see him. But we did chat um, maybe an hour or so after, and I said, he said, how did it go? Because I'm very claustrophobic, and I, it was very peaceful. It was amazing. And I said, you know, God said... And the lady, the technician said, go to a happy place. And so I thought of my grandchildren. And when I was thinking of them, a song came to mind, Jesus Loves Me. And it's a song that I sing to them and, and I sung to my kids. And ironically, I, I started to laugh and I said to Mike, that's a song I was singing. Well, Mike started to laugh because Mike was singing that exact song, sitting on the stone and praying for me. And um, so, you know, God is working and we just... It's those confirmations time and time again with each other, with our family and friends that um, I thank you so much because I, I don't know where I would be if I didn't have prayer from you guys. So thank you so much. I so appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Diane. <clears throat> So I think uh, both Paul and Diane have um, seg segued beautifully into the next portion of what we want to do this morning. And that is a time of confession and then a focus on unity. And when we hear the stories from the open mic, we know that unity is something that we need to treasure and we need to safeguard. And so the first way that we can do that is through confession. And in our Protestant tradition, we don't have a great practice of confession. We have a good theology, we believe that it's important, but it's not something that we weave into our church gatherings, not on a regular basis. But to confess is simply to say about my sin what God says about it, that if you say this is sin, Lord, so do I. It's in agreement with God. Acts 3 verse 19 says, Repent then and return to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Maybe we think confession is solely something of an individual nature, and it's not a corporate response. But that's actually more of a Western idea than really what the Bible teaches. In 2 Chronicles, it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That's a promise. So there are times this morning where one of our church leaders will come up and will identify an area of confession for us and outline some of the aspects of that. Some we need to address corporately and some perhaps individually. Then you'll have about a minute or two in silence just to confess to whatever the Spirit leads you to. That will be your individual confession. And try to keep it personal and in the first person. It's just between you and God. But it opens that door to that time of refreshing. And then after a short time, after the individual confession, we'll move towards a corporate confession. 
And then we'll ask you to stand and we will take responsibility together. And in the spirit of authenticity, if it doesn't connect with you or resonate with you, feel free just to remain silent as the corporate prayer is being prayed. And if you're a newcomer with us, we are so glad that you are joining us and that you feel comfortable even just to check us out. And so just feel free to participate with whatever degree the segment resonates with you. Feel free to pray quietly in your own way. And just know that this is a unique service and that every Sunday we try to connect with God in different ways. So for today, we're going to include a little bit more group participation. And hopefully at home or here in person, you will feel comfortable to join in. So the first topic that I want to focus on is this um, topic that Jonathan has addressed in our series, Stop Social Distancing. And what we mean by that is that this last season seemed to elevate divisions that separate us. Dallas Willard once asked why Christians can be so mean, and he responded in saying that Christians tend to be mean to the degree that they value being right over being like Christ. And when we desire to be right over being like Christ, division begins. And has there been any times during this past 18 months where it was more important for you to be right than for you to be loving? And I know that there have been moments for me, and sometimes being loving is a challenge. <laughs> so, uh, worst of all, church politics and infighting will suck up all the energy and focus that we should be putting into loving others and the Great Commission. What binds us together as a church is not common education and common race, common income levels, common politics, common nationality, common accents, common jobs, or anything else of that sort. Christians come together because they have all been saved by Jesus Christ. And there's something secure and stabilizing about being people who view the world like that and view the world like us. But quite honestly, there's nothing very remarkable about enjoying time with people that are like ourselves. That's not that challenging. But to love and appreciate someone who despises the very things that you value, or vice versa, that's another story. The real beauty of the gospel lies in how we deal with those relationships and differences, because there are many. Unity is at the heart of God. And John 17 says, may they be one as we are one. Then the world will know that you sent me. Unity is one of the greatest witnesses. However, disunity in the body of Christ injures from the inside, right? It's inside here where we're, an injury occurs. And it breaks down our witness on the outside, when the Bible talks about loving unity, it doesn't mean uniformity, which is everyone looking and thinking alike. It doesn't mean unanimity, where we are in complete agreement over every issue. By unity, the Bible means first and foremost a oneness of heart, a relational unity. Being kind to one another, gracious to one another, forgiving to one another, not assuming the worst. 
We create disunity when we wound one another within the body of Christ, in particularly wounding with words or attitudes or motives, misuse of authority, unrealistic expectations of others, control, and the desire to have things go our way. In order to move forward and to experience the comeback that we've been talking about, we believe what God has in store for us, we need to commit to reconciling these offenses, putting these things right as much as it depends on us, and moving forward with an attitude of Christ towards one another. At times, the way that we have expressed and carried our differing theological views has wounded Christ's body. And we acknowledge that. We have not always followed the biblical exhortation to be completely humble and gentle, or to be patient, or bear with one another in love. Disunity also occurs when we undervalue each other's gifts and contributions. When the wisdom of seasoned leaders or the creativity of young leaders is not valued, it can create another kind of hurt and division to the body. And again, disunity. This kind of division blocks the ability to disciple and mentor and create new innovations together. So let's just take a moment. And again, if you're comfortable, close your eyes and take some time personally just to ask God if there is any way, anything, where you have fostered disunity. And it's our time to just repent for any of those things that we may have been involved with. Let's just be quiet for a moment. Okay, I believe that God has heard those prayers and he has revealed those thoughts. And so now I'm going to invite you to stand as we pray together. The prayer is on the screen and uh, I will pray the small gray font and then let's all pray the large white font together. And this will be our prayer of corporate confession. Father God, where we have wounded the body of Christ with our words, attitudes, and motives, we repent and ask for your forgiveness. Where we have not reconciled with those we have offended, we commit to do what we can to make it right and to partner with you to restore unity to these relationships and ultimately to the body of Christ. We confess we have also participated in hurting the body when we have judged one another in our differences we repent and ask for your forgiveness 
We ask for your Holy Spirit to be our guide and counselor as we navigate our way through sensitive issues. We commit to being humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love, and valuing the diversity you have created in each of us as we move forward. Help us realize our need for each other and remember that your plan to reach the world depends on us walking in unity. Father, let us not allow anything to stand in the way, but may we make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And together we can say, Amen. And later we challenged you to stop hoarding, and that meant a lot more than just toilet paper. We were talking about a mindset, maybe even a soul condition, you know, that's brought on by, again, underlying fears. So why, why is it that we trust in money to buy happiness? Maybe because we don't know what we really have in Christ. We believe money will make us secure because we trust money more than we trust Christ. Scarcity is a cancer. And generosity is the cure. And and we believe generally as Canadians that we have a scarcity of money, the scarcity of time. And I'm asking you this morning to surrender that to God. Uh, just give him that mindset. Because when God owns your finances, he owns you. And when God owns your calendar, he owns you. Generosity of time and treasure is worship. In fact, I wonder what would happen if we stopped asking how much we can spare and started asking, how much was it going to take? How much was it going to take to make a tangible kingdom difference in York region and beyond? So don't give your life to too little a cause. I'll remind you again that we, we need people to get in the game with their talents, with their treasure, with their time. You know, somebody once wrote... Um, you can't paint the Mona Lisa by assigning one dab to a thousand painters. And, and that was probably written as a critique of leadership by committee. But I think that's exactly what God does in the church. He, the body grows as each member does their part. And the picture becomes clear as each artist releases the creativity that God gives to them. If, if you've never given of your treasure, experience the freedom and the worship by doing that. If you've never given of your time, experience the joy and the camaraderie and the worship through serving. Amen. I'm going to turn it over to Glenn right now. I wonder 
how many of us would say in the last year that maybe you weren't your best on social media last year, 18 months. Maybe you took the bait too many times, you engaged in back and forth conversations that turned into a verbal street fight in terms of just nastiness and not, not loving each other well. Maybe you got caught up in different threads and podcasts and blogs that brought you further and further down rabbit holes. Maybe you found yourself buying into different things or believing different things that may or may not be true and they were definitely not beneficial to you though. The, the whole online world is meant to draw us in and it did just that. Maybe it drew you in, it shaped you, formed you, molded you, changed you. And likely you're not better as a result of it. The voices that you listened to drowned out the voice of God. You listened to Joe Rogan's voice or Anderson Cooper's voice more than the voice of the Spirit, more than the Lord's still small voice. You started to listen to the accuser's voice more than God's. Started to believe lies about yourself. Today, can we re-gospel our hearts with the truth about what God says about us, to us? I would love if you would just stand. There's going to be some who, you, who I am in Christ statements on the screen. And I would love to just proclaim those as truth over ourselves. Let's do it together. I am a child of God. I've been set free. I'm seated with Christ. I can do all things through Christ. I have Christ's authority. I have been chosen. I am God's workmanship. I've been given a sound mind. Nothing can separate me from God. I am a saint. I have been bought at a price. I am Christ's friend. Amen. Those are truth. Those are truth from God over your life. Soak them in. We're going to sing this song, Who You Say I Am, and it continues to reinforce those truths. I want you over this song to, you can sing it, you can reflect, but I want you really to reflect and soak in the truth that God has spoken over your life. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? Amen. Please be seated. Uh, we talked in our last service about the deep need for community and how we need to get better at it. Because community need, means work. It means staying reconciled, uh, working hard not to be offended, uh, working hard to repair relationships uh, when I am offended, uh, looking around uh, for the needs of others and actually doing something about them. And, and none of that is easy. And I can't tell you how many conversations I have had with people who have stories of the church hurting them, uh, getting let down, put down, talked down to, and, and they left. And in some ways, I don't blame them. And now I wish I could promise that when you walk in the doors of New Market Alliance Church that um, it will be uh, perfect 
uh, that our community will never hurt them. Um, I can't make that promise. And why is that? Well, partly because only fake surface relationships never hurt. You know, the only relationships that never hurt us are the ones that we keep at arm's length, you know, too distant to reach us. Every community will let you down and, and someone will teach something that you disagree with. Someone is going to respond poorly to you. Um, your contribution won't be as valued as you think it ought. And, uh, and the community won't maybe be there at every time you think they should. But if you want to seek God with these people, if you want to live where the risen Jesus is at play, this is the price. You know, at some point, someone is going to step on your toes. And real community means not bolting when that happens, but, but working it out. It means even if you can't see eye to eye, on whether the car should turn left or right, we all agree to stay in the car and continue journeying together. God shows up in the faces of those walking alongside you and in the love and support of others in community. And, and even when God feels absent in my life, uh, being in the presence of those who aren't in the same dry place maybe that I am, for whom God is very present, that can be such a, a help and a healing for me. Uh, many people feel disconnected from God because they are disconnected from his body. I, I'm going to ask you to do something. Again, it won't center you out or anything, but would you just look around at those in front of you and those directly behind you and those directly beside you. And if you don't know them, would you just quickly introduce yourself and uh, just, just take 10 seconds to do that right now. If you don't know the people directly behind you, beside you, or in front of you, just introduce yourself. Now we know names. You don't need to know even anything else uh, other than that they're part of this family. And I'm just gonna ask you in, in under your breath, would you pray for those people around you, beside you, directly in front of you and behind you? Just give you a minute to do that. Go ahead and, and pray for them. Fear. Where fear resides in our hearts, we are missing out on the fulfillment, the fullness of our Father's love. 
First John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Where we have walked in fear, we have grieved his heart because we have misjudged him. He came to save us, not to condemn. Instead of depending on our God, we have allowed our fears to lead us into forms of ungodly control. Our fear of suffering has caused us to withdraw from the mission of self-preservation. In our hearts, we have at times sought to control one another or outcomes rather than depend on God to lead us forward. At this time, I'm going to ask you to take just a moment in personal reflection and repentance, laying down those fears as the Holy Spirit leads you. Will you stand with me, if you are able, and let us pray this together out loud. Father, forgive us for running away from your love because of fear. Father, forgive us for avoiding intimacy with you because of our misguided fears, expecting you to condemn when in reality you long to forgive, cleanse, and heal. Father, we lay down our fear of what others think. Father, we laid we, the need for our tendency to control people and our circumstances. We choose to step out in faith and rest in your ability to work in the lives of those around us, just as you are at work in us. Just before I, I wrap up, I just wonder if, if God isn't pressing something on anybody that you would, you would like to share. And uh, we, again, we won't belabor it, but I just, just want to give that opportunity if, if there's something that you would like to share about um, your own fear, your own prayer requests, your own encouragement to the body. Yeah. Yeah, would you, Amanda? Yeah. This is Amanda. And uh, we've missed her. I just want to say that I've had in my life a few surgeries. I lost count. 
But I want to say this is the first surgery when my mom said to me, how do you feel? And I said, excited. Mm. Um, I'm having my parathyroids taken out, so having your throat slit's not exciting. But I have total peace because I feel that I've come to church again. I have a support group. Usually I would beg the anesthetist to drag me to the hilt before I went into the room, but I feel a total peace. Mm. And uh, that really is a miracle for those who know me. Mm. Praise God. Praise God. Anybody else? All right. Well, how does Amanda do that? How do you do all the things that we talked about this morning, to live in unity, to stop living in fear, to be generous. Um, I've challenged you with at least five things over this last month and a bit. And uh, I guess I've, I've become appropriately more skeptical about what I can do in my own strength, but way more confident about what God can do in me and through me and through you. And a special shout out to Scott for just reminding me in conversation last Sunday about how we actually live this out. Whose power that we actually rely on to do this, to actually make a comeback. This is what Paul writes to young Timothy. He says, hold on to the pattern of of wholesome teaching you learned from me, a pattern shaped by faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Carefully guard that precious truth that has been entrusted to you. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within you that that you enable to do what you can't do on your own. And Paul also writes this, now that you have the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Spirit. What? You have the Holy Spirit, but be filled. Um, These Christian followers in Ephesus had already had the Holy Spirit, but Paul was telling them now be filled And we don't have a smooth English translation for the original Greek, except to say be filled. But to really get the intent of that original language, you would have to read the verse as um, be being filled or keep on being filled, as it were. Uh, In fact, it's it's this passive voice, meaning um, it's not fill yourself up with the Holy Spirit, but Rather, let yourself be filled. Let the Holy Spirit fill you. It's not, you know, it's not a once and for all experience. It's an ongoing process. It's a way of doing life. And to be filled with the Holy Spirit means that you allow him to occupy, to guide, to control ever-increasing areas of your life. It's a simple idea, but it's a profound one. The more you follow the Holy Spirit, the more you get filled. And the more you are filled, the more you are led. And the more you follow that lead, the more you are filled again. And so I, I, I 
I want us to stand. We've been up and down like Catholics all morning, but one more time. And uh, I, I would like to remind us through song that, that this can be done on earth as it is in heaven. A miracle can happen here on earth as it is in heaven through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's sing together. Could it be that um, something in the spirit world was even broken today, that that there are people who would experience new freedom, uh, free of fear, free of that sinking feeling in their gut of isolation and depression, everything that has robbed us in the last year and a half. Lord, may it be so that we've just been set free today. I want to thank you, church, for going along with a very different kind of service, a participatory service, and and you were such good sports about it. I hope nobody felt singled out. It's all been leading to our final uh, conga line, Holy Spirit. No, I'm just kidding. We're not doing that. Um, uh, you've been you've been great participants. It's good to come to church and not watch the show, but to engage with what God is doing. And here's my final word to you this morning from 1 Corinthians. Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. I know over the last year and a half you have been attacked in ways that I don't maybe even comprehend. There's been an assault. But here's something that your suffering has allowed you to do. It will train you to fix your eyes on God. And suffering, depression, regardless of its causes, it's a time to answer the deepest question of all. Who will I trust? Whom will I serve? And so don't try to outrun the things that you've suffered in this last year and a half. There have been moments, I'm sure, where we've been tempted to see ourselves as victims. But in those God moments of clarity where we learn to lean into his strength, where Isaiah says that he will raise us on wings like eagles, we'll run and not grow weary, we'll renew our strength, we'll walk and not faint. When we lean into the Lord's presence, uh, even through suffering, it, it actually prepares us deeply for what he wants to do in us and through us. You are such a love people. And uh, instead of watching church, which I'm glad you have done from home or on the podcast, um, instead of just attending church, you know my challenge to you is through the power of the Holy Spirit, now go and be the church. God bless you.